Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's 200 bucks to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on three and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 533-42 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. Dot com in Kansas, one eight seven 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 zero stop in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit one eight hundred gambler.net in West Virginia or call one eight hundred five two two four seven zero zero in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gambling helpline ma.org or call eight hundred three two seven fifty fifty four twenty four seven support in Massachusetts or call one eight seven seven eight hope. NY or text Hope NY in New York. Welcome in, everybody, to the GC Live post-game show. South Carolina coming off in what was a much-needed, a much-needed victory today against Vanderbilt. I know there's going to be t- there's going to be people on here today saying, "Oh, it was Vandy. It was going to be." Hey, go ask Florida last year. Go ask Kentucky last year if any of that mattered. All right, because Vandy went in. They beat both those teams last year. So I say that because at the end of the day, you had to come out here and you had to get a win first and foremost. But on top of that, what South Carolina was able to do today, they were able to play what I felt like was their most complimentary game of the year. Certainly, when you look at at all three phases, they could have been better in certain in certain areas. No question about it. But you were able to get points on special teams, right? You get the block punt, return for a touchdown, Keenan Nelson. Offensively, you were able to do some good things. Still at times, right? A couple drops. I understand the weather plays a role with that. I'll get into Talking about the weather from the uh, weather doctor over here, Michael Skarnecchia. He knows a thing or two about playing in wet games. And then defensively, again, I don't care who they were playing today. What they did today is exactly what you needed them to do. And they played their best, best, best defensive game in a long time, not just today, 
in fact, and I put this out there, you have to go all the way back. You have to go all the way back to September 28th of 2019 against Kentucky to find the last time South Carolina shut out an SEC team through the first three quarters. So that's what just stood out to me. But as always, intern Joe's with us. Former Gamecock quarterback Michael Skarnecchia is with us as well today. Mike, I'm going to give you the floor first. What was just your instant reaction from what you saw today with South Carolina? I mean, it was domination from all sides of the ball. Our offense was moving the ball both in the run game, the pass game, even considering I was like, you know, with how it was consistently raining, I think, for most of the game, at least three, almost through four quarters. And so I thought our pass game was going to be slowed down a little bit. But realistically, outside of the first quarter, it was it was after those first couple drives, it was nonstop. Spencer was on the receivers figured it out. And while we still have some, you know, some protection issues for the most part, I think Spencer was able to make plays and our receivers helped him. And then the Mario Anderson continues to find his way in our offense. He's a tough runner. He's always going to get yards. And he finally had that breakaway run, which was an awesome run. I think Gamecock fans love to see it. Our defense, though, was was fantastic in the run stop. You know, after what happened with Jacksonville State, I was I was concerned at what's going to happen with our safeties and coverage and what's going to happen with our run stop. And they really showed up this week because if they played the way they played last week against a good Jacksonville State team, you know, I was concerned that there could be an issue of a, an upset. But they came out ready to play. They made the tackles. And I also think with the rain, the rain played a huge factor, I think, with our defense because our defense is – a with especially with our safeties being such downhill threats in the run game, the rain affected Vanderbilt's passing game. So we were able to really focus on, you know, helping out the run with our safeties being involved. And then we also brought some new blitz packages, which I was excited to see. There was very few times Vanderbilt's QB was able to get comfortable back there. And so seeing new blitz packages, finding ways to just get back and put pressure on the QB and also stop the runs was very important in this game. And it also, let's highlight it, too continue our hopes of a bowl game we needed this win i think we needed a dominated win if we came in here and barely won you know kentucky looks more difficult but kentucky's going to come out come out next week beat up against a, a good alabama team we just came off a dominant win so i think we have a good hopes i think we have a good shot at going in especially night game against kentucky and winning and continuing our our bowl hopes because you know our, our players i think for the most part have played really hard this year spencer deserves it a lot of these seniors who have just put their all into this into this team in this university. I think they deserve it, but we got to get better day by day. And I think this today was a good start of finishing the season right. Yeah, you mentioned Spencer Rattler. I want to pull up some stats for people to take a chance to look at because, you know, look, it wasn't perfect today by any means. Again, there were some drop passes. Um, we'll get into that a little bit more with Mike because Mike knows a lot when it comes to playing in conditions like this. Can you guys see the stats? It's pulling up right now. I just want to make sure. I just want to make sure it's visible on the screen. We've had some issues in the past before. So I, I bring this up because you look at what Spencer was able to do today. And if you weren't, if you weren't watching the game, all right, if you weren't watching the game and you just tuned in and you know, and it doesn't look like the stats are are showing. So I'm gonna pull that screen down. Um, so I apologize for that, but those stats today for Rattler, 28 of 36, 351 yards, three touchdowns. Again, if you weren't watching the game today and you just look at the box score, 
you would have been like, man, that's that's Spencer Rattler, right? Like weather conditions, like thinking about that. So, Mike, I say that because first and foremost, as a former quarterback, obviously, you know, even though you made it look easy during that Missouri game that we all talk about still back in 2018, the monsoon game. But what is your just your takeaway of what Spencer was able to do today? You see a stat line like that, despite the circumstances with the weather out there. Yeah, I mean, my one big concern was how if it's going to continually rain, how is our pass game going to adjust to that? Are we going to focus on the run? But it didn't really seem like that. They looked like Spencer was able to get comfortable. And it's impressive because, you know, there's times when you're playing, you know, a lot of QBs are able to play in the rain, but there's also those, there's more mishaps. There's more slips of the ball in your hand when you're letting go of it. Sometimes you don't get a good grip if you're trying to get it out right because you don't get the laces. And so there's so many different factors that go in when you're playing in the rain that you have to consider as an offense coordinator because not everything's going to be pitch perfect out there in the rain. And so to see what Spencer was doing, was great. Now, early on, you know, we saw also him getting adjusted to the rain. I think that's why we saw some missed throws, some yep. low throws, but there's nothing to worry about. You know, you're going to get adjusted to the rain, and he did that perfectly. He was he was putting some fire on the ball when he needed to. I think one thing I always say, too, especially as QBs, they always, you know, when you want your hands pruned, pruning helps. You know, the consistent rain helps. The worst games for rain are when it rains before the game, the field's wet, the balls get wet, but it doesn't continue rain. Because when your hands prune through the constant rain, you actually get better grip. So, you know, it could have helped Spencer after those first couple of drives. Maybe his hand pruned up. But, um, no, I thought they did a great job. I thought they did a great job a lot of times with those short routes, getting the ball um, to our tight end on the on a lot of those flat routes after a play action. You know, our offensive coordinator, I think he's done a really good job this year with – you know, messing up the eyes of the defense by doing a lot of play action, going the other way, a lot of rollouts with Spencer, a lot of putting pressure. I saw there was a lot of three-level concepts that he put on the corners against Vanderbilt where we have someone in the flat, someone running an out route at 10 yards, and then someone running vertical. And it puts so much pressure. He does a good job at pinning people on the defense into a bad position. And a lot, and then having Spencer back there is fantastic. Um, so, you know, playing in the ring, I thought there would be more mistakes than there were. And for Spencer's interception, I want to get this out of the way. What they ran was a Sam pressure. So they brought their, their, you know, some people call it a nickel, depending on what packages are, or their Sam Mike, or their Sam linebacker. So they, and they rotated to a cover three. I, I saw Spencer look to the left, and I saw he saw the rotation, the blitz coming. So I thought he was going to stay left. I don't know if there was a miscommunication or if there was, you know, something that happened with him and Xavier. That was just an honest mistake. It was nothing to do with the rain. Um, but... <laughs> I just wanted to get that out of the way and let everyone know that like, you know, the rain, I don't know how much the rain affected that one more than it was just maybe a miscommunication on the receiver and QB part. A couple funny things to say today. And it's funny because of how it played out and certainly because they won. Luke Doty had a first down reception. He also had a first down drop because Xavier Leggett was able to catch that pass that hit off his hands. Uh, <laughs> Big Red. And we've talked about this ad nauseum, but I'm going to continue just to remind folks especially because we want to continue to get those positive vibes in when we can. When, when you're four and six, you take anything you get. Big Red asked about Mario Anderson. Yes, 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 yes. Mario Anderson does have another year of eligibility. Yes, yes, yes. What we got, Joe? We got Will on the phone. Will, go ahead. Hey, hey, how you doing? Uh, yeah, my, my, uh, my issues with this 
rumor going around the University of South Carolina campus that Spencer Rattler is an ugly guy. And I just want to get on the record that he's cute. I think he's a good-looking fella. All right. We're going to drop that. Um, He is a good-looking fella, Mike. I'll tell you. He's winning us games. He's probably a great QB. Get that guy back there. We need him for another. You want him year. back on? I didn't know if this was a break. Mike, Mike told me to hang up the call. Will we? We always appreciate you calling call, in, man. Hey, we'll take any compliment for Spencer. That guy's a great QB. For <laughs> I us. didn't know. Will, Will, and I, I don't know where you're going with that. So that's why we dropped it. So I apologize if you were going to go with. Hey, you know what? He's he could he could play well too. So get mad at me. It's not intern Joe. That was all me. Uh, I do want to go back to this. Because Butch just paid us 20 bucks. So thank you, Butch. When you throw the – your comment goes up instantly unless it's anything too crazy. Uh, I don't want to get yelled at from the boss man. But Butch says, Mike and Joe, Kentucky has no chance next Saturday, boys. Darude's going to be in the house. Night game, sandstorm, tailgating all day. Rap. And then he also adds, probably feeling this moonshine a little, this moonshine a little bit. <laughs> and mix in a water, Butch. It's going to be a long night, especially since this game was a noon game. <laughs> Joe's all smiles. Joe, you let me know what we got. Yeah, all right. Who we got? got? Zach on the, we got Zach on the line. Zach, go ahead. I'm glad you brought that up because we talked about this last week, Mike, that USC needed to find a way to be able to force some turnovers, right? Defensively, before last week's game, you have to go all the way back until the second quarter of the Tennessee game. That was all the way back on September 30th. Mm -hmm. So I bring that up because outside of a couple of nail downs at the end of the game after OD Fortune's interception, and then if you want to include Stone Blanton's pick six in this stat that I'm going to throw out there, all those turnovers, except for that last one that led to nail downs, they all led to points. You know, so I bring that up because that was for the first time I felt like in a while we started to see some type of complementary football with USC in terms of just this season. I mean, I'm not going to really look at the Furman game, but today against an SEC opponent, it wasn't just offense, it wasn't just defense, it was special teams as well. But the defense did a phenomenal job of being able to force some takeaways, they did some great job too. Uh, knowing certainly with the conditions, being able to get Vandy to have to punt. I mean, you can see the struggle. I mean, I think if anyone paid attention today, they knew that operation time on that long snap back to the punter. At some point, USC was going to get one just because of the conditions today. They did some good things with being able to capitalize off of what the other units did. And I think when we talk about bowl eligibility and having to play your best football right now, Kentucky and Clemson, you need to be able to find that consistency, that momentum. And they were able to do it again today. Joe, what you got? And then I'm going to go over to Mike. Yeah, we got Dave on the line. Dave, go ahead. 
looking at like just from an analytic point of analytic point of view, like I don't know. For me, I feel like like Rattler is like really really cute. Like he's super handsome. So uh, <laughs> I don't know what what these colors are on today, man. Hey, you Try know to what? Though? <laughs> you know what? When you wait, I mean, uh, Mike, you know, when you're the quarterback, you're throwing uh, the ball yeah. all over the yard. I know it's probably this is a joke call more than anything, but uh, apparently everyone's everyone's, after everyone's, you. everyone's gonna think after the quarterback's going to look at you, cute, right? <laughs> everyone's after you, man. Uh, uh, but Mike, going back to that complimentary football comment that I made before that call, is that a real thing that you feel as a quarterback? Right, as a quarterback, obviously you're trying to stay in control. You're trying to just focus on what's in front of you. But do you feel some type of momentum shift when the defense is able to get things rolling and it gets the ball back in your hand, sudden change opportunities? Do you feel like that does give the offense a spark? Because I feel like we've seen that from this unit, from this team, excuse me, because of that defensive unit. Yeah, I mean, yes, 100%. And, I, you know, just before we get to that question and answer. Yep. He made a great point. You know, for the whole entire season, we have consistently been saying almost every week, even on some of the three wins we've had prior to this game, we were just like, man, we just have not found a way where both sides of the ball click and are consistent across the board throughout the entire game. Offense will show up one day, and usually it's been the offense showing up and us questioning the defense or special teams is bad one day, and we just haven't found it on all three sides of the ball where we've been consistent. And you know, what does that go down to? Players figuring out, coaches, who who knows what it is about it. The youth, some of our positions, I don't know what the answer is in that aspect. But you can see what happens when our team puts it together. And everyone's saying, okay, yeah, we played Vandy. You know, Vandy put up 28 against Kentucky, 21 against Missouri, 20 against Georgia. Like, they, they in the past have put up numbers against good opponents. And so it's not like we're going in here. And mind you, yes, Vandy was 2-8 and eight going into this game. But to, in Vandy's eyes, you know, whenever we played Vandy, Vandy knows. I think they they recognize they're not a great team. But when they get an opportunity to smell blood against another SEC team, who teams they don't usually win against, they're going to come out with everything they have because they see an opportunity. So South Carolina knew they were going to tr- potentially get Vanderbilt's best, regardless of what Vanderbilt's record was. So they needed to connect on all three sides of the ball, and I think they did. But as to your question, 100%. As a QB, when you're going out there and you know that, okay, not all the pressure's on me. I, I can make a couple of risky throws or do some extra things oh, wow. or, or miss some throws where I know my defense now is going to step up and give me the ball back. And so, like, huh. I want to I want to cut you off real quick because there's some breaking news. Um, what some really, really disappointing news um, that Shane Beamer just announced. Um Shane Beamer has announced that Juju McDowell has broke his collarbone and he'll be out for the season. Hmm. Um, I just, I just wanted to cut, cut you off on that one because I mean, man, I mean, this is with not knowing what's going to happen with DeCarra and Joyner. He's in a walking boot right now. I, I thought there was a possibility that perhaps DJ Braswell would redshirt this year, but He's at that mark now where he plays one more game. You know, I, I think he's going to have to play. I think he's going to have to play. So I bring that up, Mike, again, because breaking news, if you're just joining us, Shane Beamer has announced that Juju McDowell, who left today's game, he has left the game because of a collarbone injury. And Shane has shared that he will be done for the rest of the season after breaking that collarbone. 
big, 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 big loss for South Carolina. I know, again, there's going to be some people that will be like, well, from a statistical standpoint, I get all that. But, Mike, you've been in situations, I mean, you've been part of teams where you have a guy that brings so much, and he has been a tremendous leader. Like, I, I think stuff like that, I think from a fan standpoint, it gets overlooked sometimes, especially in a year like this, but how important that can be, especially a guy who had probably high, higher expectations from a statistical standpoint heading into these this year. But he hasn't bitched. He hasn't moaned. He's worn that C on his jersey. You lose a guy like this right now, how do you, how do you rally together? Knowing yeah, I mean, that these two games are huge coming up. They are huge coming up. Um, and I think that's where you need to rely on the culture that Beamer's built within the organization. You know, you lose a guy who, from what I've been told within the organization, and even on game days, you can just see the energy he brings, both in the sidelines and pregame prep, on the field when he's out there. And while he may not have has had his most productive year yet as running back, Juju is an energizer bunny for our team. And he's somebody that can help, one, bring our team to a point where they can rally together. And then two, he can also make some explosive plays that are very important for us because as a running, you know, with the running back room, you're going to need more than one guy. I think that you see that across the nation with multiple teams having two running backs or more who can benefit or who can who can play off each other and help the team. And Mario just can't do it all by himself. You know, he's yeah. he's done a great job, but we're heading into a two tough week stretch where we're going to need to rely on the run game at some point. And Mario's done a great job, but you know, we're going to have to find somebody that that can one bring the energy that juice brings or not that juice brings that juju brings and mm -hmm. and also contribute like he can um that he how he contributed you know there's he he while he may again while he may not had have had the year that he is wished for he has still made some explosive plays for our offense that have been very vital in some important games um and so losing him is you know it's tough but i think beamer has built a culture that where these guys are going to rally around each other. I think we've seen that. We haven't seen any quit in this team, regardless of whether the, what the no. score is, what the record is. And so I think that speaks to Beamer. I think that speaks to the maturity of this team. I think Juju going down is just going to rally this team together even more. So, again, if you're just joining us, Shane Beamer has shared that Juju McDowell has broken his collarbone, collarbone and will be done for the season. Uh, certainly a big loss for South Carolina for multiple reasons because of the leadership that Juju brings to this team. But when you look at that running back room, not knowing what to carry on joiner status is going to be. And again, the trickle down effect this will have. I mean, you were probably already in a situation where DJ Braswell was probably, probably going to have to play in both these games coming up, which means that would be four and five in terms of Kentucky being the fourth game and then Clemson being the fifth game. So burn the red shirt year. I can't see how he maintains a year of eligibility just because of the circumstances. But, you know, we'll we'll worry about that later this week. We'll talk about that on GC Live Talking Tuesdays as we gather more information about what perhaps is the plan for South Carolina moving forward. We'll hear from Shane Beamer. We'll hear from some of the players on Tuesday earlier in the day, and perhaps we'll have a better feel for it. Uh, I say all that, though, Mike. Let's talk about Xavier Leggett. Because Xavier today, Xavier had another phenomenal game today. Finished with 120 yards receiving. 120 yards receiving. With those 120 yards, with that near touchdown that he had in the first quarter, that eventually led to an Alex Tuntley receiving touchdown. Yeah. 
Juice Wells has now become the fifth, the fifth Gamecock to have 1,000 yards or more receiving in a season. Now he, it's the sixth time it's happened because Sidney Rice did it twice during his career, but he's the fifth Gamecock. And when I mention players like this, Mike, right? Sidney Rice, Pharaoh Cooper, Alshon Jeffrey, Sterling Sharp, and now Xavier Leggett. You played for this program. You played with some of those guys. How elite is this dude and what you've just seen from him despite some of the struggles this team has faced this season? Yeah, I mean, that is that's 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 upper echelon of what South Carolina can produce. You know, we you look at some of the receivers we've played in the past or we've had in the past, even just during my years with Debo, Brian Edwards, Shai Smith, Josh Van, all of these guys, Hayden Hurst, even though he was a tight end, but you know, we had mm-hmm. talent at receiver and you didn't see those guys hitting a thousand yards. But look at what they're some of those guys are doing in the NFL. Like to see him hit a thousand yards is such an accomplishment that I don't think people are gonna recognize until he's gone. But you look at what he's done with that. It's amazing. That the, the crowd he's with, and he's also, mind you, <laughs> still two games left, potentially three. So yeah. he he and what I Alshon was and Alshon and Alshon's record is uh 1517. Now I haven't gone back and done the final calculations quite yet, but he'll pass Sidney Rice most likely next week. There's a yeah. huge gap between one and two right now. And again, I said Sidney yeah. Rice is on the list twice. I'm talking about the 2005 year when Sidney had 1143 yards receiving, but you have 1143 yards receiving and then you go up to yeah. Alshon who had over 1500. But again, I I expect I expect I expect that mark to be broken. We had Field Yates on earlier this week, ESPN analyst, talking about Xavier, what he, um, what he's done in terms of raising his draft stock in ways that maybe people aren't paying close attention to, other than the fact that he's just a freakish athlete, speed, yeah. size, all that kind of stuff. But Mike, I bring all that up though because you mentioned this with Dal Loggins before. You lose your top receiver, Juice Wells, right? You yeah. lose him. Yeah, he, he wasn't himself at the beginning of the year. You got him back for a little bit during that Georgia game. You were able to find some type of spark. I think Juice had about 30-something-plus yards receiving, if not 40 yards receiving, on that opening drive against Georgia before getting hurt on that touchdown. I bring that up because now you have a guy who, heading into this year, Xavier Leggett, I think he had maybe, I don't know, just over 400-something yards receiving in his career for the first four years, gets the fifth year because of COVID. And again, obviously you need players to be talented enough to do the things that Xavier's doing, but what does this say about Dal Loggins and the trust that he has with X to make him the the go-to dude, to use him the way that they continue to use him? And just how does the, the offensive coordinator dynamic between him, Spencer, and having a receiver like that, how does that work to be able to continue to see the things that we've seen week in and week out? Yeah, I, you know, one thing I would love to point out is you look, you brought up his stats for his career. And while not great, they're still good. But, you know, the one thing I think Xavier was lacking in his first couple of years was confidence. And when Dow came in, I think Dow was able to recognize the talent that Xavier had, bring out that confidence within him and say that, hey, you know, we have juice. Because, mind you, this confidence wasn't just built when juice went down. This confidence was building throughout the offseason and trusting him, hey, you are, are like our 1A, 1B with Juice. You guys are going to be our assets going forward in this season. And when Juice went down, 
you know, Xavier stepped immediately up, but I think Xavier was already expecting himself to be such an important and vital role in this offense. And having an offense coordinator who, one, says, we're throwing the ball at you. We're going to find ways to get you open, regardless of how you're too much of a freak out there. You know, what he's doing, mind you, he has a 1,000 yards against our schedule, which I think going in is one of the top five hardest, if not the hardest schedule in the nation. With an offensive line who's beaten up, and everyone knows you're the main target on our offense, and he still has put up those numbers, which is profound because not many guys can do that when defenses are going to target who the best player is and find ways to disrupt that offense. And even with Spencer, that's tough. That's a tough ask, but they found a way to do it, and I, I attribute that one to Dow. I attribute that to Spencer, and I attribute it to Xavier building his confidence, finding a way to just get better. You know, one let's bring it up too. He was training with Debo in the offseason. I think he mentioned of, that. He mentioned that. And that was wonder and how, that was, that, how important that was, you know, and he and he and he mentioned that. I know that I did a mix in a water Monday segment with former Gamecock defensive lineman, your former teammate Jabari Ellis. And I know you know this. Um, a lot of the players know this, that Debo has really took pride of reaching out to current Gamecocks and even some former guys to be able to train with them. And he doesn't have the spotlight on him. Not a lot of people know that he's doing those things. Certainly we knew because Xavier said it at media day for USC. But um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's a really good point, Mike. That's a really good point. I really don't want to spend too much time on this, but I'll answer it. Where is it from Steve? Cause Steve, I think it's one of those things that we can talk more about if we get to that point. But, and I get it, and you mentioned it being premature a little bit. I mean, look, there's so much that's still left to be done with this season, right? I mean, Spencer goes out there and, and does, and obviously it's not the same like Tennessee-Clemson last year, but Spencer goes out there, does some things these next two games. I mean, shoot, right? Or if he doesn't have good performances these next two games, but they're still able to win, how does that impact things? So there'll be a time and place to certainly talk about that, but I don't think you're alone in that thinking. I just think it's – premature in the sense that we have to see how things play out these next couple of weeks. We can assume how they'll go, but we'll, we'll wait and see running the ball today. Unless you have something, Joe, you look like you hopped on. No, no, nothing on the phones I have, either. I have some of that though, Mike, real quick. Hold your thought yeah. on running the ball, running the ball. I just want to say something from a fan now and somebody who watches game cockfoot, I bleed it now. If Spencer decides not to, if we make a bowl, let's hypothetically say, I hate playing the hypothetical, but if we make a yep. bowl and Spencer decides not to play, I don't think one person across Gamecock Nation can blame him. He's done so much for this program already as is that I don't think anybody, but I think we've also seen Spencer be such a competitor that I wouldn't be shocked if he decides to play and put it all out there for this team one more time. Yep. Knowing, seeing what he's done, seeing how he's competed, seeing the leadership he's shown both probably not on the field and in the cameras, and when the cameras are rolling, he's just, he's been at all. He's been such a great leader for this program. So I wouldn't be shocked if he goes out, but I also, I think Gamecock nation wouldn't blame him one bit if he decides not to. And again, field Yates, he talked about several Gamecocks and one of the Gamecocks he talked about was Spencer Rattler saying how much of a fan he is in everything that he's been able to accomplish this year. And some of the little things that people overlook, but I, I think, without talking about it specifically, I'm sure Phil would say the same thing, which is, you know, it can't hurt, right? It can't hurt to play playing a game like that because there's going to be, unfortunately, people that are going to look at him saying, man, your Oklahoma days, this and that, or whatever the case may be, Netflix, that you keep going out there doing the things that you're doing. 
on top of the fact that once he has a chance to sit down with these scouts and teams and they realize, like, shoot, what the heck is this BS narrative that's been portrayed about this kid because of something stupid from a couple years ago, you know, from a Netflix thing or, you know, when he was at Oklahoma. I mean, he is – and this is another good point that Phil brought up, and, Mike, I'm sure you would agree because you mentioned with Debo – having an opportunity to learn from someone in the NFL, having the opportunity to learn from Dal Loggins. And I'm not even talking about X's and O's. I'm talking about being a leader, being the CEO of a team in a program. When you're the quarterback, certainly when you're the starting quarterback, but when you're the quarterback, all eyes are on you, how you handle yourself, not just through the good, but through the bad. And unfortunately this year, there's been a lot of bad. There's been a lot of bad. And I'm not talking about specifically his play. I'm talking about the team as a whole for one reason or another. And yet his attitude, his demeanor, the way that he conducts himself has not changed. It has not changed. And I'm not just talking about in front of the camera. You talk to people behind the scenes. You talk to people that are in that building every day that are with Spencer Rattler. They'll tell you the same thing, that he's the same individual day in and day out, despite obviously the challenges that this season has presented. But I do want to talk about the run game real quick because, and give Mario Anderson credit, second time this year he's eclipsed the 100-yard mark. But take that away, and this isn't a shot at Mario. This is more so just looking at the offense, the the lack of consistency up front. You take away that 72-yard run, South Carolina, their run game again just when they wanted to run the football. And I said that last week against Jacksonville State. Sure, sure. Rattler was picking that secondary apart. And you knew they were going to continue to go back to the passing game. But when USC wanted to run the football last week, when they wanted to, outside of Mario having a 40-yard run on the second play of the game, they struggled to move the football. So if we're trying to nitpick, if we're trying to look at things and be like, man, what can South Carolina do better, right? Again, we can look at a lot of things that they can do better. That's one thing that stands out to me. Yes, Mario Anderson, he rushed for over 100 yards. It's awesome. It's awesome. But when you needed to run the football, when you needed to, for the most part, again, outside of that run, they weren't able to do that for a second straight week. That scares me a little bit just because we've seen at times, right, if teams are able to put pressure on the quarterback and you're not able, as Mike, you know, if you're not able to run the football – you need to be able to get that changeup going. It makes things a hell of a lot easier for defensive linemen and outside linebackers when it comes with bringing the pressure. So um, that's one thing that stood out to me. I don't know if there's anything else that stood out to you or if you just want to piggyback off that comment. Yeah, I mean, I'll piggyback off that. You're right, the run game. But I will say, while we may be a little bit flat outside of those very large runs that inflate our stats, and while they're great, you know, we love them, but – I think Dow has recognized that our, our run game is our weak point. It's hard when you're just rotating offensive alignment in and out every single week and you can't find continuity with that. So I think you've seen a lot with um, his RPOs where he's doing a lot of play action, throwing it to our tight ends in the flats and doing a lot of swing routes like that. I mean, look what Joshua Simon did today. I think most of his catches were kind of on a flat route within five yards of the line of scrimmage. I don't know if all of them were, but I recognized a lot of them were. And I think that's how Dow is getting around this weaker inconsistent running game that we've had um is just adding in those shorter quicker routes rpo style getting spencer rolling out just to add a a mix to it all because you know you recognize where your weak spots are a good offensive coordinator does and he finds ways to adjust and i think that's kind of how he's adjusted joe we haven't had a real chance to 
talk to you about this game. You've been uh, yeah, oh these, yeah, these lovely dealing with the phone lines. Been crazy today. Um, a lot of people have some interesting opinions on Spencer Rattler. I'll leave that to them. But do you have any interesting mean, opinions uh, on this team? Huh? Yeah. I said, do you I, have any interesting opinions about this team? I, I've got a couple, and obviously I've got a podcast for that as well, dropping tomorrow. Shout out to those of you who are wearing the merch today, um, you know who you are. But, I mean, the, the run game was, intern was bad Joe. today. Yeah, there, there, there's demand. merch around in Columbia today. High demand if you want to advertise. Back. High demand I have for been sent merch in the wild. But, um, anyways, not getting back to it. I mean, the run game was bad today, um, and minus that big, long run. Um you're going to need to be better against Kentucky and certainly need to be better against Clemson. I think you can get away with it a little bit more on Kentucky because I've said it all year. I think Kentucky's a bunch of fakers. I don't think they're as good as, you know, they've been built up to be. I don't even know if they're good enough to be a six-win team at this point. But mm-hmm. regardless, I think, you know, down the stretch, you're going to need to improve on that running attack. You got away with it against Jacksonville State. You got away with it against Vanderbilt. But um, you're not going to be able to get away with it against a decent team like Kentucky and an even better team um, like Clemson. So needs to be better all around. But, I mean, I was very, very impressed with Dowell Loggins' offense today. I mean, when you have defense to back it up and, you know, kind of get off the field quickly and give yourself some momentum going into an offensive possession. I think we're seeing, you know, the fruits of that, right? This offense is when they do have momentum coming off the heels of a defensive stop, you know, they, they go and like, there's a lot more momentum and wind behind their sails even more. So really, really good performance all around, mostly for the offense today, minus, you know, uh, the, the lack in the run game, but um, you know, Spencer Rattler was nails again, um, continuing his trajectory, um, into an NFL draft pick, whether that be day one or day two. I don't know. I don't think he slips to day three. But, um, you know, good game for Spencer. And, and just all around, like I said, really, really good day for Dal Loggins in this offense. Now, you mentioned Dal Loggins. How about a good day for Clayton White? I mean, this guy has got killed. I'm not just talking about on this program after games. He has got killed by a good portion of this fan base for the last couple of weeks. And it comes with the territory, right? I'm not trying to say that – it's not warranted at times because, again, it comes with the territory, right? Having said all that, I'm looking at you people, you people who have been crapping on this man for the last couple of weeks. Why don't you give this guy some credit today? Say, hey, you know what? That's what they needed to do. They did it. Again, I don't care who the heck they're playing. It's an SEC team. They did something that hadn't been done in four seasons. Four seasons. Shout out an SEC team through the first three quarters. Last time they did that was against Kentucky. Held them to six today. Six. So, again, no one's saying that Vanderbilt is world beaters by any means, right? But at the same time, too, you wanted to see certain things from your defense today, right? If I talk to you on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, I saw you out at a bar earlier this week or wherever around town or waiting in line at the grocery store, and I say to you, what do you want to see from the defense this weekend? And you give me X, Y, Z, right? They did exactly that today. So, again, it's okay to smile when good things happen. Don't pivot and say, oh, man, well, it's Vanderbilt. Again, if I asked you earlier this week, give me X, Y, Z, what you're looking for from this defense, and they did exactly that, are you not going to smile? So, I give him a lot of credit, certainly, but I give these players a lot of credit because it's not easy. It is not easy. Never mind the fact 
when your defensive coordinator is getting kicked to the curb by a portion of the fan base and what's being said on social media and happens at every fan base. I don't want to seem like I'm just specifically talking about South Carolina, but in this case we are since we cover the Gamecocks, but people are talking about your defense. They're talking about maybe you as an individual and they were able to ignore the noise, come out here today and do exactly again, do exactly what you needed them to do exactly what you needed them to do. It's great, right? It's one game. That doesn't mean anything next week, right? You got to continue that momentum, but at least for today, incredible job from this defense. They played a game that we haven't seen all season long. So again, hats off to this defense. Yeah, absolutely. And shout out, I I saw the comment. I think it was Jay Diz commented about um, Lenore Sellers. Shout out to Lenore Sellers being able to come in and obviously make, make some plays the tail end of that game. Um, and he's still, and he's still, and he's still can play out of the these few games in red shirt yeah. because yeah. look, and, and <laughs> I got to be careful here because there's always going to be that one bubble that's going to hear what I'm going to say here. And they're going to go completely <laughs> in a different direction. Mike Yuva is not saying put Lenore Sellers at running back. Let me say that again. Mike Yuva is not saying put Lenore Sellers at running back. I'm not saying that, but with Juju McDowell now done for the season. Again, if you're just joining us, Shane Beamer, just share the post-game press conference that Juju broke his collarbone. He'll be done for the season. We don't know. We don't know the status of DeCarion Joyner quite yet. He's been in a walking boot. But let's just assume that you're not going to have a healthy Juju. I mean, excuse me, healthy DK. You don't have Juju out there now. Braswell, that redshirt year, might have to get burnt now. That means he plays the next two games. I mentioned this before. DK has just been phenomenal in the red zone when it comes to being inside the five, inside the 10-yard line, and finding the end zone. I would love I would love South Carolina if they feel like they need to change things up to be able to get a spark, and certainly they were down at the one, two. They've been, you know, a couple big guy touchdowns. I feel like I'm watching the uh, replacements for crying out loud. Back-to-back weeks, Tonka Hemingway. That's, that's an insult and, to uh, Boogie and Tonka there, Mike. Come on. Oh, no, it's the big – I didn't say – John Madden called fat guy touchdowns. I just say oh, big guys. Oh, okay. Guy. Yeah, yeah, big yeah. Big guys. Yeah. No, know? I thought you meant it's, with the replacements thing that they, that they had to throw Boogie and Ty. No, no, in the movie The Replacements, John Madden makes the reference. I, you know, went the over my thing head. about Young. a fat guy touchdown is – Yeah, 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 yeah. But, Young um, intern here. Apologies. Yeah. Apologies. I mean, you got to call you got to call him big. It's 2023. You don't yeah, want to – Oh, absolutely. It is a big guy touchdown. Go watch that movie Bad Dads with Bill Burr. You'll know what I'm talking about. Shut up, John. But anyway. Um, I, I say that because, yeah, it would be great. I mean, at this point, you can throw those extra wrinkles out there. You can use Lenore's a little bit more. I did see some people, and naturally this is going to happen. I, I I don't think the, oh, man, Lenore should have played earlier, and he's only going to be here for three years. Will you friggin' stop? You haven't seen this guy go up against a friggin' starting defense in the SEC yet. I think he's going to be really good. But some of these people are, like, already predicting, oh, he's not going to be back his senior year. Will you stop? Will you stop? So, yes, I'm glad that they're in the situation that they're in right now because they're going to maintain his year of redshirt and eligibility. Lenore's going out there doing a couple sneaks, the brotherly shove, whatever the heck you want to call it, three or four times a game. I don't think that makes South Carolina a bowl-eligible team at this point. I don't think it changes the complexion of the season. But now that you can use him and it's not going to burn the redshirt, I think it's great. Mike, you've played the position. You've played the position. What's just your overall thoughts on Lenoris? What's just your overall thoughts on how USC has managed him this year in terms of this is only being his second game, so he's going to be able to redshirt still? And do you like how USC has gone about it? 
Yes, I do like how we've gone about it. I, you know, we haven't been in a lot of games in a lot of positions <laughs> where, uh, <laughs> uh, but we haven't been in a lot of games where we can put Lenore in there, Lenore's in there, and just feel confident that, you know, because a lot of these games we've been in the game or it's been within a manageable area where we can come back. And so I'm fine with how they handled it. You know, the next year, I think in their mind, they, they think Lenoris is going to be the guy. And so there's no reason to one to rush him out there and just try and force reps. I think he's going to get a lot of good reps and, you know, him getting a couple um, snaps earlier in the season. And then tonight, I think it was great for him. One, it's just more about just getting on the field and feeling that exposure. There's plenty of QBs across the nation who come in for their first starts as the starting QB and play just fine throughout the year. So that's not really going to be an issue, I think. One question was talking about, have you seen him in practice? And, Mike, I know you've you've been to practices. You can attest to this as well. I think from spring ball to even season, but I've only seen him so far to fall camp. But from spring ball, I was like, this kid has a lot of work to do. I wasn't too sold on him. But spring something changed from spring ball to fall camp where you saw a lot yeah. of maturity, a lot of growth. He saw he was – he stood in the pocket. He moved well in the pocket. His accuracy was even way much, much better than it was in the spring. And I don't know what changed. Maybe it was confidence. You know, confidence is a huge key to a lot of these players. You know, these guys are D1 athletes. There's a reason they're D1 athletes. But when you don't have confidence, it's hard to – so, you know, as a QB, understanding the offense, which probably is not the easiest thing going from high school playbook to a college playbook. And then – getting more reps in the field. The coach is giving you the opportunity to you know, every, every, all these factors playing in. And I think we saw him grow, be more mature, operate as an actual QB who could start for this program. And I think I, I, I I'm, you know, I'm, I'm hopeful for him being going, going forward and being the guy who can win yeah. a lot of games for us. And, you know, another thing that's huge for us is while Spencer is not really what you would consider a dual threat QB, he's made some plays with his, with his legs even imagine now what what Lenoris can do. We just saw it in Vanderbilt. He's fast. He's strong. We can operate the offense around him and do so many more things with him, along with him being an accurate and good thrower. Yeah, and, and they brought this up too. And Big Red, I'm glad you brought this up. I know some people are going to get upset by it, but it's the reality and it's the truth. And we've talked about it on GC Live. Big Red says we're talking about sellers, but don't forget – that Doty knows how to play the position as well. Dante Reno's coming in also. The options are endless. I've said this before, and again, I know I'm going to get freaking crucified for saying this, especially after Sellers scored today, not to be a wet blanket, but I truly believe Luke Doty's going to have the, the, the opportunity to be the starter first. And that's not saying Mike's saying that he's going to be the week one starter, right? <laughs> Mike's saying this already. I'm, I, I got the whole frigging lineup already set, right? Everyone's going to get upset with me, right? We got Lenora set running back. We got Doty there. Um, no, but I think with what USC has right now, they want to continue to improve little things that he needs to get better. Now, there's certain things that because the media is not at practice every day in comparison to what it was like during the summer that I can't see. So it's more so, you know, you're getting it through a third party person. The thing to me, the thing that's been relayed to me that he needs to continue to improve on. And I know that you'll get this, Mike, because some people I think will. But I think a lot of people are like, wait a minute, that should be the easiest throw is just his short passes. He has a cannon for an arm. He mm -hmm. can frigging rifle that thing. He's getting more comfortable with going through his reads. That's something else that he needed to get better at. But it sounds like, again, from talking to people, going even back to the spring, but especially throughout the course of the season, he's getting better and better at that. 
he's just continuing to work on just those little passes, the swing passes, the stuff that South Carolina and a lot of college teams for that matter, like to use and incorporate into their offense. So I, I think the timing of having a chance to be able to play in these two games coming up or three games, excuse me, today and the next two will be massive for him. We talk about a bowl game and certainly they have to win these next two or else that's not even a possibility. That's not even on the table. But what some people need to continue to remember, we talk about hypotheticals, right? Whether whether Rattler does play in the bowl game, if they were to go, right? Again, we'll worry about that if that happens. A guy that would probably benefit the most is going to be multiple position groups that will benefit. Quarterback will be huge. Reno he's been t- has been telling me that his plan is to practice with the team, right? Practice with the team. They go to a bowl game. Sellers, I mean, you want to talk about getting your future ready for the, your program. My goodness. My goodness. So, again, a lot of great things on the horizon for South Carolina, but they need to keep winning. They need to and keep Mike, winning to get these young guys ready. I'll point one thing out too about Doty too. You know, if whether Doty gets the the nod next year to be the starter or not, regardless of that fact, Doty's been a great leader for this team, even as a backup. You know, you don't have to be the starter to be a great leader for your organization for both your defensive players, your special teams, your offense. He's been a guy who brings from what I know and I know, you know, from how I know him personally, a positive energy every single day a spirit that wants these guys to get better, be there for the team and just make sure everyone is, is on the same page. And that's the kind of guy you want within your organization. So regardless of whether he starts or not, he's somebody kind of like a to carry on joiner. He's somebody you want within your organization because it makes everyone better, regardless of what they do on the field. I want to add one more thing too, Mike. And I know you were in the building for some of those days. I know you weren't there towards the end of the Will Muschamp era. I know you played for him. I know you also got recruited by Spurrier in, in those years. But I had a chance to catch up with Marcus Lattimore the other day. He's in town. Yeah. And Marcus was back in the building on Thursday. I think he was also back in the building on Friday as well. And what he told me is he's like, Mike, he's like, when I walked in there, he's like, I just felt life. I felt energy. And I'm like, are you just saying that? And he's like, no, he's like, when I was there towards the end of my tenure, meaning when he worked for Muschamp, and again, I've said this before, I love Will. I think Will Muschamp is a phenomenal person. I think there's a lot of things that people don't see about Will. It just didn't work out here. And that's all right. both, Both statements can be true. Having said all that, though, having said all that, what Marcus mentioned to me is during that time period when he was working for USC, especially towards the end before he left his role, he said it just felt like death. Like when you were in the building, the energy just seemed flat. And I'm not saying that specifically about the teams that you played on, Mike, in 2018, but towards the end of the Muschamp era. So I say that because for a team that has been really kicked to the curb, right? Two and six, you battle back, you win last week, three and six. So a three and six team. And Marcus goes into those, those, uh, those hallways in that ops building. And he's been part of some tremendous teams during that 2003 to 2000, excuse me, 2010 to 2013 stretch. I think he wasn't here for the 2013, but, you, you know, three seasons. And he says the energy was very similar in that building that day in comparison to what it was like back then. I think that's important. I think it's important to point those things out when you mention a player like you said, Luke Doty. We talk about a guy like Juju McDowell. Again, the statistics might not show that these guys are doing tremendous things but guys like that have been huge huge to carry on joiner as well joiner 
Yeah. Guys like that have been huge with being able to get this team back into a position to continue to fight. You know, it, it's real easy, Mike. I know you've played for some teams that towards the end of the season, I played for some teams in college where you can just sense guys are like, man, I just can't wait till this is done. You know, our team stinks. We only have two, three games left. We got a couple practices off, and you're just going through, and you can just sense guys are going through the motions. Marcus said that wasn't the case. So no. I bring those things up because these guys haven't thrown in the towel. I know there's a large portion of this fan base that hasn't thrown in the towel either. There's going to be some people, but that, that happens at every fan base when you start losing. They're going to continue to fight. They show that today. They show that last week. They're going to need to show it again next week. And then we'll worry about Clemson if they're able to get the job done. But I, I think that, again, what you just mentioned, Mike, is so important to bring up because it rectify it, it shows everything that Marcus was saying on Thursday. Yeah. We're, we're going to get into some more thoughts. We're going to hit some ads because then we're going to wrap things up on the other side. So, Joe, why don't you lead us off? Yeah, absolutely. Guys, as always, talk about our good friends over at Liberty Tax. Tax ID is an uncertain feeling you get right before doing your taxes, but you don't have to go through it alone. Tax team at Liberty Tax and Irmo Lexington in Columbia will walk you through the process, clear up any confusion, and guarantee you'll get the biggest possible refund or your money back. It's tax time. If you're in a hurry for your refund, call in the tax team at Liberty Tax, fast, accurate, and guaranteed. On the other hand, if you think you might be owing Uncle Sam, talk to Liberty Tax seem to make sure you're not paying more than you should owe. They'll find every possible deduction for you locally on an operated staff by tax professionals from your neighborhood. Open 9 to 9 on weekdays and 9 to 5 on Saturdays with multiple service options. Start the Liberty Tax mobile app or through the desktop portal, make an appointment, or just walk in. Give a call to upload your tax documents, and when you come in, your return will be ready to review and sign. Give them a call on your screen right now, 803-462-5576. Once again, on your screen, 803-462-5576 for all of your tax needs this season. And today's program is also brought to you by our good friend, Clint Hammond of the Movement Mortgage. You see his sponsorship above us every single GC Live show, whether it be the post-game show, whether it be the afternoon drive, or whether it just be your typical GC Live show with Wes and Chris. When former Gamecock quarterback Perry Orth and his wife Shannon, when they were in the process of purchasing a home, who do they call? They called Clint when Wes Mitchell, our very own Wes Mitchell and his wife were in the process of buying a home. Who do they call? They called Clint buying a home right now. It's not easy, especially if you're looking for the lowest rate, but Clint and his team do a tremendous job of being able to help you find the best rate that works for you. Give Clint a call at 803-771-6933. So as I look down on the field right now, as the grounds crew, they've been very busy as of late. Right, four straight games to close out the year at home. My goodness, they're doing a great job down there, battling through the elements. And shout out to the troops today too. I don't know if you guys could see it on TV. They maybe yeah, they did a shot. Maybe they did a shot. They came out here probably I don't know, two plus hours in the stands. I think they were doing the the five k beforehand. I mean, my goodness, they they've been out here all day. Shout out to the troops for everything they do, not just here today. Happy Veterans Day. Happy Veterans Day, yeah, absolutely. Scar, you brought up the performance today, and I know there's some other things, too, that people are asking. We're going to have a rapid fire to close this thing out in a minute. But you mentioned the performance today, a linebacker by Bam. Bam Martin Scott, he's a guy that over the last couple weeks, he's continued, continued to see more and more playing time. He's a guy that's been here for a while. And another guy that hasn't pouted, you know, he's gone about his business. We've talked about the linebacker room that's been banged up since – 
week one, right? Yeah. Um, since Mo Cabo went down, and we continue to see more and more guys earning repetitions. And he had a tremendous game today. You know, Scar, you just sent this to me, you know, 13 tackles. He also had that sack in there, which was huge. Yeah. Big day for Bam. Yeah. I mean, I guess I, I can – or Scar. You go ahead. I'll have it quick. I'll have it quick. Scar brought it up, and I'm glad he did because Bam just exploded today. Like, he, you know, this is like one of the first games that we've really seen Bam – really come into his own. So I, I think it's huge, huge game for Bam. And it's exactly what you want to see, right? Because you you expected Bam to kind of come along a little bit towards the end of this season with uh, Mo Kaba being healthy. You weren't expecting Bam to do a whole lot and be as involved. And then this year, I mean, as soon as Mo went down, it's like, okay, Bam's got to step up in a big way. Hasn't yet, but finally found his groove today. Very, very big game for Bam. I'm happy for him because he's getting on the right track. He's starting to adjust better, starting to slow. It looks like the game is starting to slow down for him. So happy for the kid. Yeah, and it's awesome. You know, we all, I always say whenever you have good linebackers back there, it makes the world of difference both in the pass defense and the run defense. Linebacker, good linebackers can make an elite defense. And I'm not saying we're there now, right now, but – when you have a linebacker playing how he played today with seven solo tackles, 13 total, one sack, tackle for loss, you know, those are the kind of stats you look at and you're like, wow, those are what we've been missing all year with consistency every single game because we have that. Those, you know, we don't give up as many rush yards. We don't give up as many flat routes to the teams and just driving down the field. Like a good linebacker makes a difference. And they show – they bring a lot of energy to the whole team. And, so, and they help out with run stops so much because they fill the gaps the D linemen aren't in. So, you know, big shout out to him. That was a huge game. We're going to need him to continue to step up these next two weeks, especially with a run-heavy offense that Vanderbilt has. Or not Vanderbilt, Kentucky, and I would even say Clemson. I think they're run-heavy teams. And if our linebacker play can play consistent the way they did today against those two teams, we have a good shot. If you're looking at the screen, if you're looking at the screen right now, it doesn't look like we're having the, the pitchers pop up. I'm don't know what's going on. I don't. Here, so yeah, I don't know. Technical apologize for that, folks. Today, it's not man. as fun now to be able to show it. I don't know what's going on there? But anyway, there was a there was a funny stat. Poor Alyssa Langan thrown under the bus. South Carolina's zero and six um, in their last you zero and six in the last six games when Alyssa's on the broadcast together with uh, this these two Matt and Taylor. So poor Alyssa. Poor Alyssa. Poor Alyssa. Poor Alyssa. Cause she, I mean, she's not even here today, and she's getting, she's getting strays. Poor <laughs> Alyssa. Um, all right, let's do a rapid fire. We'll wrap things up. Let everyone get yeah. out of there. Get out of here. Uh, Absolutely. Jack Bigas coming from hey. Ireland to see the Gamecocks for the first time next Saturday. What's the best time to arrive at the stadium to savor the atmosphere? Now, real quick, I do want to say this before we answer his question. Shout out to the fans that did come out here today. Oh yeah, I know that they'll say yes, that there's. You know, 70-something thousand people. There weren't 70,000 people. I mean, some of it has to do with tickets sold, right? Tickets sold, so they're going to count that even if those people don't come out to the game. So I say that because, dang, just, yes, dang, dang Lang, S-E-R-L Smith, dang Lang. Um, yeah, shout out to the fans that came out here today. I would say for the Kentucky game, I think there's going to be more people, especially if the weather is nice. You're going to start having what I like to refer to as the pink hat fans. The fans who don't really care until the team starts winning, 
when they start losing, they'll go into hibernation. And as soon as they start winning, they'll come out with their pink South Carolina hat. They can't even tell you who's on the team. They can't even tell you the team's colors. They just wear pink <laughs> game cock hat. So you're going to have more pink hats out here next week. You're going to have more people back in the stands. Um, it's going to be a night game. So that will certainly entice people to come out. You're going to have Darude back yeah. in here. Uh, that would be pretty neat. The sandstorm. Yeah. The sandstorm. So I would, uh, I would, I would recommend, I would recommend getting down here. I mean, shoot, I live right near the stadium. I don't want to give the location away. Um, but I remember when I would come to games, probably if you want to tailgate at least four hours before a game, if you're going to try to tailgate three yeah, hours, if you yeah. mean, you got to think, I mean, too. What, what, do, what do you think, Mike? You Mike, you would know better than me. I mean, this How is, I know this better. Is your, <laughs> I feel like this is your world now. I mean, you've been out here. You're sitting yeah, in the, I, um, you know, you got to think, yeah, four hours at least. I would say two is a safe bet, but four hours at least, because you got to think that two hours before the game kicks off, they're going to do Gamecock walk, which, you yeah. know, that's, got, that's you got to see that. Yeah, you got to see that. If you don't see that, that's kind of just a point. You, traffic's even worse then. So you want to be you want to be sitting in your spot before 5.30, 100%. But I would say 3 o'clock gets you the full – because, one, you get to watch the other 3.30 games. You get to enjoy yeah. the weather. You get to enjoy all the fans and the atmosphere. Go watch Gamecock um, walk. You get back, have a couple more drinks, and you head in the game, and it's time. 3.30. It's pretty – I, I couldn't have said it any better myself, Scar. I think, yeah, 5.30-ish, be, be in your spot, be ready to go, be ready to wander over to Gamecock Walk because that's, that's the best part. So, What else we got, Joe? We got Big Red asks, who was the big, big-time big recruit that came to the game today? Let's see if I can – I'm going to be honest with you. Wes and uh, Chris are the ones that are all over that. Let's see. Yeah, there were a couple – See if I can get some of the names here for you real quick. Mike, you want to pull that up real quick, and then we can go to RLs quickly while you pull that up. Um, is it normally easier to run block or pass block? Scar, you played quarterback. You, you give us a rundown on that one. That's a tough one. I actually, I'm trying to remember. I, I live with an offensive lineman. I always would ask this question too. He was the starting center, Donnell Stanley. Um, I Donnell, think, shout out to Donnell. Yeah, dude, Donnie. Donnie's the man. Um, I think pass block. I could be completely wrong on this one. They love run blocking. I know they that. I think they, because yeah. you get to engage. I think pass blocking is tough because you have to sit back and take the the pressure. Or run blocking, you get to engage. And run blocking has a lot. They both have a lot of moving parts. It might be run blocking. I yeah. You know, gosh, I didn't ever block. I can tell you that. We need to ask Garrett. <laughs> Next week, RL asks this when Garrett gets on. He'll, he'll probably. I'll give trust Travis time. Edwards. Run block. Yeah. Can I uh, real quickly too talking about injuries today? We uh, and I can't find Wes and Chris's update, Big Red. Gotcha. So I apologize. We'll have that for you on Tuesday. We'll do a deeper dive into recruiting for you. I talked about how Trey Knox was going to be available to play today because Shane Beamer on Thursday at Carolina calls. That's exactly what he said, but. In post game, in addition to what we talked about with Juju's unfortunate injury with the collarbone, tight end Trey Knox missed last week's game with a hamstring injury and was thought to be back this weekend. But with the rainy weather conditions, the Gamecocks in in the Gamecocks in control of the game, Carolina held him out as more of a precaution. So for those of you just curious, because we didn't talk about Trey Knox, I don't think we've talked about Trey Knox so far on this program, wanted to throw that out there. As well, maybe another question or two will wrap things up. We're at the hour, Mac. Hour mark. We'll, you know, get on out of there. It looks like the traffic's all gone. 
I mean, yeah. my goodness, I haven't seen I things like to clear out this quickly since I don't know. I, I can't even make a good reference. I mean, this is Everyone's trying like to a stay dry, Mike. Right now. Trying to get dry, stay dry. Um, I like this question from Big Red. We'll, we're we're going to have to cut a couple short. Um, sorry if we didn't get to your question. We'll, we'll be sure to get to it on Tuesday. Tune in Tuesday night. Um, we will definitely get to it. But do big wins, even like this, um, or even against Vanderbilt, help us in the recruiting slash portal side of the team growth? Mike, I'm going to answer this first, and then you tell me what you think. If uh, It can't hurt. And I'm talking about the era that we live in right now, right? It can't hurt, but let's call a spade a spade. Some of it has to do with NIL. Some of it has to do with NIL. And yeah. I said this on Thursday, South Carolina missed out on some dudes last year. I know there's a lot of fans that are upset. You know, why didn't we get this guy? Why didn't we get that guy? It's not NFL free agency. You don't have this huge cap, right? It's not the exact same. And unfortunately for South Carolina, if you want to compare it that way, they don't have the same type of money when it comes to an NIL standpoint. And we can be naive and just say, well, you know, are they really just going to come here for the money or do they want to be part of something bigger? It's be Every player is different. However, just like I said, it can't hurt when you win. It can't hurt if you have the bag. It can't hurt when you have the NIL money. Yeah. So that's why I'm hesitant to say, oh, yeah, absolutely it helps just because I think it's case to case. And some of it has to do with NIL and things that, unfortunately, you can't control directly as a coach. I think that's frustrating for Shane and some of the guys on staff. Yeah. And I, you know, I'll add a couple of statements. I agree with what you said completely on that one, NIL and that whole new world that we're in right now and trying to navigate that. But also, it, I'll speak directly just to the recruiting. Does it help? Maybe. Because I think as a recruit, you know, you want to go somewhere where it's a lively environment every time you step on the field. And I think when you go to a rain game that's cold and it's just terrible conditions and you have a, a very filled stadium, not fully packed, not not sold out, but a very filled stadium that's loud and, and rowdy and uh, for a noon game, that can't hurt. I think as a recruit, you're like, okay, against a Vanderbilt team, we're three and we're three and six. A Vanderbilt team that's two and eight. It's raining. It's cold. It's a noon game. All the all the factors that would lead to not many fans showing up, and the fans show up. I, you know, I think for a recruit, that's another big selling point, especially for the recruits' parents. They want to be a part. They want their kid to be a part of a program where the fans just are infatuated with the program. And so, while yes, NIL is probably one of the bigger factors now that that indicates where someone's going to go. And that's a whole new, that's a whole different conversation. Mm -hmm. I think this game was important because our fans are so loyal to this program that recruits know when they come here, they're going to get loyal fan base that shows up week in, week out, regardless of the results. And they're going to support the players. And even though the crowd wasn't, I mean, let's just call it for what it is. It wasn't great last week. You had a big time recruit here. And yeah. I know people will roll their eyes. Yeah, and I think a lot of people commented, actually, because I tweeted it. Shane Beamer said on Tuesday that he had a big-time recruit. Couldn't say he, he couldn't say him by name. In his office that Sunday, and he was just blown away by the atmosphere. So if he enjoyed the atmosphere, then just imagine what it's like when this place is packed, when it is rocking the way that we've all seen it rocking. And like this isn't going Saturday. back. Yeah, and it's not like it. this hasn't happened in over a decade. We've seen it even during this season, even during a season where it's been rough. We've seen it last year. We've seen it. I mean, shoot, I wasn't here for the A. Sanders return that everyone tells me about, the punt return. But one of the louder moments I've seen being here, um, in recent years at least, 
was that kickoff return for a touchdown by Xavier Leggett against Texas A&M to start the game. Man. I mean, that place was absolutely rocking, absolutely rocking. Anything else, JoJo, before we wrap things up? No, nah, I mean, obviously, listen to the walkthrough tomorrow. Um, joined by our very own Mike Yuva. Um, Going to try to get that episode in before the Pats are in Germany. So check that Good out. Shout out to all our friends. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. You have so, no uh, idea what the hell. You, you know what I'm talking about? You're just saying absolutely. No, no idea. No, that was another <laughs> reference that went. Guten Tag. Way over Means hello in Germany. In yeah. Germany. Guten Tag. I didn't hear the Guten Tag part. Oh, it was a little okay. delayed. But um, uh, either big, way. Big yeah, on phonics kid back in the day. Huh? What? I, I don't know. Check, check out the walkthrough tomorrow. Obviously, South Carolina. We'll, we'll have all the final thoughts um, from today's game on, on the pod tomorrow. Drops at 6. Um, so, check that out. And, uh, yeah, those are my final thoughts. Always. Okay. Mike, any final thoughts? Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, we've played well in November. I think Gamecock fans, have, we knowing what we did last year with Spencer and this team in November, while what we didn't have a great October that we were hoping for that could have springboarded our season <clears> – <throat> into a better overall position as we could have been right now, regardless where we're at, where we're at. That was an important game. I think it allowed our offense, allowed everyone within this organization, within that program for the football team to see what happens when every side of the ball clicks. And I hope they preach on that and say, let's continue this going against Kentucky. Let's continue this against Clemson. Finish this year out strong. Give us an opportunity for a bowl game. We're going in against two teams who have shown that they make mistakes throughout the season. And teams have taken advantage of that. You know, while we haven't been the biggest at turnovers, if we can get these sides of the ball to click like they did today, we have a good shot of winning this season out, especially with Spencer as QB. With Spencer as QB, we have an opportunity for any type of game to win. And so I'm happy to see what we did today. I'm glad it was a blowout. I'm glad all sides clicked. I think we carry this forward. We're going to have a rocking night game, hopefully sold out against Kentucky. I think it's good. The environment's going to be great. We come out that with a win. I think Gamecock fans should feel real optimistic about Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah, we also see Andy saying that Sarnecchia game. All ten thousand fans that stayed. It was loud. I'm, I'm I'm just I'm just giving you a hard time, Andy. I'm sure Mike has seen his name spelled eight different ways. That's Sarnecchia. how, that's how Spur. Hey, that's how Spurrier used to call me. Oh, well, you know what? I got, I got that. You I got what? that. I also got scarred. Maybe that's why Andy's saying. Maybe that's why Andy's saying that. Maybe that's why Andy's saying that. Mike, read a book, huh? Me, not not you, Mike. Me. Um, my final thoughts. I just think from a defensive standpoint, right? I mean, Mike, you talked about the big picture of it from just the confidence standpoint and being able to try to build some type of momentum moving forward. I just think the confidence of this defense, right? Because I feel like, especially at home this year. And not that anything's going to be taken for granted, but at least at home, USC has just looked different from an offensive standpoint. They've looked different from an offensive standpoint. They put up points. They put up points. They've done it all season long when they're at home. And I get it. It's a smaller sample size in comparison to the bigger body of work because they've played more games on the road. Right? Quote me on that one. I mean, they play about eight, seven games. I don't think. Point being is they played more on the road. So I say that because with South Carolina and what they're doing, They need to be able to build as much confidence as you can. And the thing that I look at more than anything is the defensive side. I have confidence in the offense. Even when adversity hits, I feel like Rattler is going to find a way to make things happen. If they can get healthy on the offensive line and they can continue to find a starting five, which I feel like you can build a lot off of from today, 
then you should feel good about your chances moving forward from the offensive standpoint. Special teams, they had their best. They had their best performance all season. All season. You should be feeling better about that. Does it mean that things are perfect because this is a very young special teams group when you look across all the, all the units? But this defense, man, this defense, if this defense can find a way, if this defense can find a way to continue to force turnovers, right? You had two takeaways today. You had four last week. That's six in a span of two games. And again, before last week, you had to go all the way back to September freaking 30th to find your last takeaway, as Alex reminds everybody. <laughs> Some people are like, wait, Mike actually said that? No, my run. It's a running back. Uh, but no, look, I think this defense needed a game like this today. And this doesn't mean you start smelling, you know, the roses and everything's all sunshine and rainbows. But you needed a game where you could just say, hey, you know what? Our coach has been preaching this. We've been missing some things from an execution standpoint. We know what we're capable of doing. Let's just freaking do it. And they did that today. And they did it. Again, don't care the conditions. Don't care who they're playing. They had to do that. They had to do that. They weren't able to do that against Furman. Furman's a hell of an FCS team. I don't care what people say. Oh, you should be able to beat the crap out of them. They're a hell of an FCS team. I think they're number two in the country. But they weren't able to do that. So the people that say, oh, you should do that, they weren't able to do it to them. Yep. They did that to Vandy today. Again, a Vandy team who just last year beat Florida and Kentucky. Well, I appreciate all of you guys. Alex, we appreciate you. Got to stir the pot sometimes. Absolutely. Appreciate everyone that tuned in today. If you missed any of our show, head on over to the Gamecock Central YouTube page where you can watch this show in its entirety. Or if you're a podcast listener, maybe you're, I don't know, you got a long commute heading back right now and you missed some of the show. Pop this bad boy on the Gamecock Central Podcast Network and you can listen to this show in its entirety over there as well. He's intern Joe. He's Michael Skarnecki. I'm Mike You've Appreciate everyone that tuned in tonight. I've only been able to say this three other times, but we'll say it again. No need to mix in a water tonight, Columbia. Be safe, and we'll see you tomorrow on the walkthrough. Madness is here. Say goodbye to busted brackets because FanDuel lets you bet on every game of the tournament. Whether you're betting on a big upset or a one seed, it's time to go dancing on America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $200 in bonus bets if your first $5 bet wins on FanDuel. That's $200 to use on point spreads, money lines. You can even pick who's going to win it all. Just visit FanDuel.com slash on3 and bet on college hoops until they cut down the nets. Must be 21 and older and present in select states. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus. Bets that expire seven days after receipt. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino LLC. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Kentucky, Tennessee, Virginia, and Vermont. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text next step to 53342 in Arizona, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. In Connecticut, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. In Indiana, 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com. 
Stop in Kansas, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York.